Hey everybody and welcome back to Chaotic Comeback. Um, I guess I should call myself the host, but um, without a name since I am staying anonymous until I feel the need to bring out my name and I would prefer that be after the divorce or after some time has passed because once again, I'm dealing with some crazies and I would just rather not have anything else to deal with or anybody getting really, really mad at me. It's just not worth it to me. So. For now, I'll be anonymous. Um, so I got on today because I just dropped off my kids to their dad for the weekend. And I was trying to help them out and use some tools that I actually gained from therapy. And so I thought, you know what? I need to get on here for some of those that haven't left or have left or in the healing process, which I'm still at the beginning of the healing process. But and just say... Uh, therapy is a wonderful thing. And so I thought I'd get on here and tell you about my experience with it and why I kind of decided to go there and how it's helped me and any, I don't know, drawbacks or positives or anything I can think of that will help someone else in the process. And um, I hope you find it useful. I started to go to a therapist last year. It's been just over a year since I went. And actually at the time, I went because... I felt like he was talking to someone and was going to cheat on me again. But then, you know, of course, they both smoke up your ass so much and are so convincing in everything they say a narcissist is. And you want to believe in them, but you know better. And so I just was looking over my shoulder every day. I was waking up unhappy every single day. It was affecting me as a mom, the constant worry. I mean, your hair starts... It, it's all... It, it's physically manifest after a while. I mean, my hair was thinning, my skin got bad, my I was just losing weight. And I just, I thought, well, maybe this is partially on me. What if he is telling the truth? He's so convincing when he talks to me. What if it is? What if it is truth? And it's just because I am so hurt by all the affairs that I can't see that he has changed, or I can't see that I look too much into things. And, and that's all coming from the doubt that he put in me. And you question everything about yourself and you question if what you're seeing is real or not real. Or if you do see stuff and you question it, they, they, a narcissist always has an answer for you. And, and you, and they're so convincing the way they tell you that you question your own reality. So I thought I'm going to go talk to somebody because I don't want to look over my shoulder the rest of the day, uh, the rest of my life. And if it is something that I can help and move on from, um, because he wasn't helping me move on, then I need to do that. And I wanted to do it for my children and myself. I wanted to keep my family together. So I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna get help with my trust issues. And hopefully I, I can move in that direction. So I went uh, last May, I believe. And it was an eye opener. I think the first part of it, like I literally went through a lot of what I'd went through with her. And I'll never just forget like her almost blank stare at me and her mouth open and almost dis well, it was disbelief. And she was kind of like, and you came here to save your marriage. And I'm like, yeah, I just don't want to have trust issues. And maybe, you know, I just need to work on those. And she's just like, honey, you need to get out. Um, this isn't healthy this is emotional abuse. This is mental abuse. This is like one of the worst, like I've heard ever of a narcissist, like, and, uh, 
he has no empathy. He has no this. I mean, all that is proven to him. And I'm just in there staring at because that's the first time. I mean, I think people joked around and like, I just a narcissist because he was so into his appearance, which it's thrown around so much, the word narcissism. And really, narcissistic disorder is a serious thing that hasn't had a lot of light brought to it, but it's a very serious, um, I don't know if you call it a disease or whatever, personality, yeah, personality disorder is what they call it. Um, because the aftermath of anybody that's dealt with it is trauma and it's deep seated trauma. It's not the same as, which I don't condone anything or, or think anything's worse than one or the other, but you know, spouse abuse, if someone gets hit, there's physical things to see, there's signs, there's ways to be like, have people help you out. But with mental and emotional abuse, it's not the same because that's inside you and you have to be able to know what it is and, and I guess accept it. And it's hard to do that and prove with anybody because most of the time these sociopaths are so convincing when talking to other people where you just look crazy. And most of the time you feel crazy. I have felt crazy the majority of the time I've been with them. So after feeling crazy for so long, um, I guess I had never actually heard that. Yes, he was most likely a clinical narcissist and sociopath and had no empathy and everything uh, I had been through. None of it was normal. And I went in there just thinking, everybody has issues, couples have issues, there's infidelity, there's this, but maybe it's because I pushed so hard and I wanted him to do this, or maybe it's because I just didn't let stuff drop, but I kept on telling myself, how can I let anything drop when there's been so many and you never make up for it at all and your behavior never changes, like you never give me a chance to heal. And, um, you know, she was eye-opening. She's like, this is horrible. This is just not healthy. And he... Went to therapy once with me years ago when there was three in one summer um, for one, like I think we went once together and he just said, I know it's my fault and I just don't need to hear it and he never went back. So that was my only, only experience of any type of therapy before this. And she explained more of narcissism to me and she actually gave me a book I should read and it actually took me probably eight months before I actually bought that book and it was the best book I have ever read and um and explain so much do i have that here yeah um i don't even know if i can pronounce it but um i it did wonders because it it was like reading a story about my life and how wow like every story every everything i learned about it was I, that happened to me or the top phrases they use or this or that like i just it was an awe i think i finished the book in a day because i could not believe how it was like wrote for me it was wrote about my life and it's not very often that you can have a book like that and that's you know kind of the reason why I started the podcast and the blog was just because it's so much different talking to somebody or reading about it or hearing about it from someone that experienced it whether it be someone that experienced way worse than you or uh, less than you it's just still the general feelings are going to be all there and it's helpful for, for you not to be alone at times and um the book was Power, Surviving and Thriving After Narcissistic Abuse, and it's by Shahida Arabi. And sorry if I, that name is wrong at any point. Um, I believe I put that in my first blog post on my website, chaoticcomeback.com. Um, and it was a bestseller in the psychology field, applied psychology. So she's wrote many. There's like a one that's supposed to be before this one. My therapist just said this one was really good. 
I go back to sections and I highlight things and if I ever need you know validation on something I'll read it because it teaches you about everything and if you're in a relationship you've you know a lot of these but when they actually give you you know samples of what can happen and what goes on it's amazing from gaslighting to love bombing to you know the discard phase to all of that stuff if you've been with a narcissist you have you've you've felt all those um gaslighting is in case you don't know is when they replace real factual information like um i i can remember almost every comment that puts you to your puts you to the floor and then you could go a month, a year, any time frame, and you bring it up like, you know, who says that type of stuff to someone they love? I didn't say that. You misinterpreted me. Like, I don't even, I can't even believe you'd, let, you'd say that about me. Like, you'd think I would say that. I would never say that to you. Um, and then they, they replace it with how it, sh what it probably was. And that's gaslighting because they're changing the facts of what that was actually said because they want you to believe their lie. So... If you feel like you've had this done where you're like, no, I know this is what was said. I know it. But yet, you know, they're, you know, they're so convincing. Write it down every time when something like that happens, you write it down. So then when you go back and I should have done this way before that, but I didn't even think to if it's a, a two days, a week, a month and you'll go back and you know that you wrote that down in the heat of the emotion and and the pain and you wrote exactly what happened and you can never have your reality question then because you wrote it when it happened and there was no misinterpreting that there was no changing of words because it was your words and you wrote it and you wrote it right when it happened and so that helped me in the end because I started doing stuff like that is you're not going to do that I even had to actually have my daughter say I told her to hide a notebook do whatever she could when she's over there because he does that to her and she's like I know he said it this way I know it and then he said he didn't and he I'm like it's so hard because I don't want to go into too much detail with her, but yet I want her to be aware of it and I want her to take measures that help her. So I said, if you haven't got your phone taken away, you haven't given them your password, so put it in your notes in your phone and only you know what it means or put it in a notebook and have drawings in the front, but yet have your something in the middle where you wrote on it. Just find a place because then you can't do that. And even, even if you call them out on it, they're going to still say you got it wrong. They're going to still say you're lying. They're going to still say you misinterpreted because they don't want to admit fault. They do not want to be held accountable for anything that they ever do. But it's a way that you expect them to be that way. So you expect that they're going to lie. You expect all that. It's just a way for you internally to know better and to know the reality and to not let it get you down because it gets you down. It weighs on you so much to have someone basically make you feel crazy all the time because that's not the way it was said. That's not the way it was heard. Why would you Why would you say that? Why would you think that of me? It's horrible. And I went through that for years. I, I pushed everything. I'm like, maybe he didn't mean it that way. Maybe that's not how it was said, but do I remember right? But it's just no way to live. And it's a way to take away that arsenal of his just one weapon out of his arsenal you can take away because in your head you'll know better which will keep you stronger and you know you can go in the book covers like projection and and that's basically like projection is when they accuse you of stuff and uh basically they're projecting what they think of themselves or what they're doing onto you and so half the time a lot of times whatever they're kind of saying or saying about you is usually about them and it's kind of an insight into 
what they might be doing or what may, they might be feeling. So, you know, a lot of times someone could accuse you of cheating or say, well, I think you do that because they know they're cheating. It's, it's a way that they can offset it. Um, a discard phase they talk about, which is good. because it would go over the time. If you question them, if you do anything, a way to get you back is the discard phase where that could be silent treatment. That could be anything and they won't talk to you. But then what's sad is that you'll yearn to talk, but you'll be like, what I do wrong? And you'll want to fix it after a while. At first you're like, oh my God, who gives a shit if you talk, don't talk to me because you're the one wrong. But then when it lasts, you start to question. You're like, well, what is it? Did he, does he really think I did something? Like, what did I do? Like, why do I deserve this? I mean, what can I do? And you'll, your question. And that's all that they want you to do is because they do the, they, they do the silent treatment. They act mad at you. And because they want you to engage and want you to show that it's bothering you. They want you to show you care. And I don't know why in somebody's personality where people get off on this, but they do. And it's just, it's a game. It's just a game to keep you in check because if they do that long enough, you'll forget kind of about what the whole argument started about. And I've done that a lot of times. Um, in fact, I, the biggest uh, silent treatment tactic I was I haven't ever used lasted, I think, nine or ten days. And that was when I went to my first therapy appointment last May. He said I should divorce him if, I'm, if I think I'm going to go because he'll never go. He doesn't believe in therapy. He doesn't believe in counseling. They're no different than us, but they've read a few extra books. And I said, I mean, literally, I could have been multiple times on the floor, hysterically crying, begging him, saying, I'm just, I'm not happy. We need to work on this. And I, you know, I'm saying I need to work on my trust and we need to do this together because I can't last anymore. I can't live my life like this. Then divorce me. Then divorce me. That's all he would say. And I will, I'll probably just divorce you if you think about going. You will not go. And I said, I need to go. And I said, if you don't want to go to group thing, I need it for myself because I feel very unhealthy. I feel, I have the worst self-esteem. I feel unhappy every day. I, I have, don't trust anything that comes out of your mouth. I said, I, I hate all of this. And I, it's making me unhappy and it's making me miserable. And if that's me and I need to work on it, but I want to do it for me to help us. No matter how much I explained it, it was the stupidest thing ever and that he was going to be mad at me if I went. And I mean, come to find out is because, you know, he knows what you're going to go talk about. He knows what a professional most likely is going to say to you. And he knows that deep down stuff is wrong, but they'll justify it in their head. But yet, they don't want you to know that. They don't want you to do it. They don't want anything coming clear to you. So I went and he refused to speak to me for nine or ten days. I mean, literally, he talked through the kids to me even. It was the most disgusting thing I'd ever seen when you're like doing it through, you know, a 12 year old, a 10 year old, a seven, uh, how old was seven at the time year old, um, to talk to me. And when I would ask like, do you think this is okay? Like you can't do this. This is like, this is just wrong what you're doing. He's like, I warned you of the consequences. I told you there'd be consequences. So deal with them. And I'm just like consequences for going to counseling to help our marriage. That's about the time, and I knew what she was going to say. I knew what anybody's going to say. Oh, let's just go ask her therapist. Oh, let's just go ask her. She just knows everything. And then he made fun of it. And I think after that nine days of silent treatment, during that period, I went and slept on the couch, I think. And uh, he really went off on me one time. And I walked in, he was messaging. And I finally just said, um, one thing he always says, anytime you want to see my phone, I'll show you my phone. You know, I know I don't want you to have trust issues and stuff like that, but anytime you want to, 
the hard part about that was, I know people probably will be like, this is so stupid. I mean, from a fair one, anytime you want to see my phone, I'll show you. I never asked to see his phone one time through all the affairs that I found out of. I never asked to see his phone because I didn't want to open basically Pandora's box. I, I would say I didn't want to open anything that would make me feel like I trust even less. Like I didn't want to have to do that. I, it's more of how I put it in my head. I didn't want to have to look at his phone. I wanted to trust him on my own. I didn't want him to have to prove anything to me. I wanted to be able to trust him without that. So that's one thing he got used to was I never grabbed his phone ever. I never said, hey, show him it to me because I said, I don't want my relationship to be like that where I have to like babysit you and ask, ask for your phone. So he expected that always. And then when I walked in and he exited out of something again, I said, let me see your phone if you were just doing this. And he said, pardon my language, but he, um, he said, fuck you. I will never show you my fucking phone ever. I owe you nothing in life. And he's like, if you feel the need to ask me, you know, this is just pathetic. We need to get divorced. And so I just kind of stared at him. And, and in that moment, the easiest thing to show me what you were just in, to show your innocence would have been to show me your phone. And in that moment, I knew you were hiding something from me. And this was already after, you know, I'd asked to see the phone and he had said, well, he had said, he had said absolutely not fuck off to me the week before at, or two weeks before at, um, oh wait, that was after the fact. Sorry, I'm going backtracking. Um, and he had said it on vacation on the way home because he had found out he had a secret Snapchat and he had told me, um. He was messaging on it on vacation and he wouldn't let me see it. And he told me he wouldn't show it to me. So that ruined the rest of my vacation. So this is the first time I said like, here, hand it over. And so I just stared and I knew deep down that, I mean, even the therapist, and that's one of the things that therapy does and validates you. You tell them about what was your breaking point that made you go file. And I already think in my head, I knew I was going to file. Like he was never going to prove anything because he just was hiding stuff. I would look out the window and he'd be out in the backyard. I could see him scrolling or watching weird videos, but commenting underneath him. Like it was just weird stuff. I think he was getting sent personal stuff from women and sending videos. And um, it was all just deflating. And then it got to the point where he was looking up at the window. And when he was out in the backyard, he was out in the back with my son. He would change his chair to look to see if I was at the window. Like stuff that you just wouldn't do if you weren't hiding anything. But yet he'll make, they'll make you feel stupid. And I felt so stupid every time I would try to talk to him about something. And, and then I would just drop it. And, and in this case, I said, let me see your phone. Then prove it. And he kept on saying, you need a divorce. And then he dug in and kept on cussing. And I was like, we just need divorce. Like, you just need to fucking divorce me. You're obviously not happy. You're never fucking going to trust me. I'm not even doing anything. And just wouldn't stop. And I was hysterically crying. And then I was just, you're just so fucking sensitive. You're just this and you're just that. Just divorce me. But he had been talking, like saying that for days. Like, you just need to divorce me because I just don't think you trust me. And in that moment, I knew he'd been talking to somebody. And he never really said just divorce me before in the past, even with all the affairs. So obviously someone was striking his interest a lot. And he was sick of having to be questioned and sick of all of it. And I think I had gotten to the point where I think you could tell I was just unhappy all the time. And I left crying and I went and filed. And then um, I had filed like in 2012, but I had like threatened it before. 
he just never like told me to. And I, I look back at all of it now that I've been through in the last year since filing and I guess I should be happy like how that last summer and everything went down because while it was a living hell for me and I had to go through a month straight of him coming out every night into the living room because I laid on, I slept on the couch and belittling me and digging into me until I cried and then he'd just go to bed and um, I didn't function very well last summer with all that and I, I, I should thank him now for that because um, he was obviously like trying to be with somebody and happy and I think it took like a week till all of a sudden he said he had a fake trip and he finally went and seen her or who, his girlfriend that he has now off and on and um, but if had he reacted different, I think, I don't know if I would have had the strength having only had like a couple therapy sessions to, to go through with him. I mean, it's the same thing in 2012. I couldn't go through with it because he was the perfect guy. And I don't think if he would have came at me being the perfect guy last summer and doing everything he needed to do and saying, let's go to therapy. Let's go to this. Let's do this because I want to save our marriage. I want to do this. I don't think I could have left. I think I would have desired too much to fix my family. And I, even to this day, you know, you have this desire to feel worth it and feel wanted and feel like, like it all wasn't for nothing, but that will take time to get over. And it would have been really strong last year. So, um, since he treated me so badly, um, I was able to go through with it all. I was able to rise up and move out and start at least some process of a new life. I, even though he's dragged it on and came back into my life and recently crushed me again. But, um, I, uh, went to therapy a few more times and just to validate stuff that I was feeling. And I made the mistake, which to help other people out, go regularly. Don't might take months in between because it's when you really want or need it that you won't have an appointment or it'll take me a month to get in. And, um, They'll help you work through stuff to know what to expect. Like, I didn't expect, you know, four months after or five months after him to be knocking at my door acting normal and try to win me back. And I would have never thought I would have slept with him again like I did. And I, because I, I had gotten to a place where I didn't even wonder what he was doing anymore after four or five months. Like, I, it was kind of, you know, we used to go into bed and it was a good place to be in as far as what you could be in while going through this. And the moment he came back in and I, was intimate with him and I, I still said I was going to do the divorce because I said I needed to, I needed to heal and he needed to get help and I'll get help, blah, blah, blah. Um, I let him back in emotionally more, more importantly than anything. I let him back in that way. So you get used to talking and then they'll, and then the love bombing and like he'd always bring me a gift or he was buying me stuff because I didn't never bought stuff for myself and the sweetest texts and texting me all the time. And you don't realize how easily you fall back into that and how easily it becomes the, your norm. And then when the time came, when I found out he was, hadn't really broke up with the girlfriend and was sleeping with us both and found out who she was, um, it was too late. I was crushed. I was devastated. And um, I had set myself up, but I feel like maybe I could have been stronger if I would have stayed going to regular therapy and could have said, this might happen, this might happen, be prepared. Um, or if they break up or if they have a big fight, I mean, you're, you're the constant source for 18 years and they're going to kind of run back to what's home. And 
even this last time, I, 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 I wasn't going to sleep with them, but yet I thought it would be a positive co-parenting thing for my kids. All those promises got in the back of my head again. And, you know, three weeks ago, I was crushed all over again. And then to find out he's back with the ex again, it's just, if it was ever an ex, it's just crushed me all over again. I'm a therapist and our counselor can tell you that it's normal, but yet that's why the number one thing is no contact. The number one thing. If you have kids like me, I keep it to just about the kids, pick up times, our schedules, and that is it. And believe me, I will have days where there's 20 text messages and it's ripping me to shreds. And I, this is the first time that I went and I think it's been since the beginning of the month. So I'm by three weeks in or more. And I don't bait in anymore. I don't give them the satisfaction anymore of getting a response. Because positive or negative, that's what they want from you. Positive or negative, they want to thrive off of that you care. And that they can get to you. And I haven't. And it's it helps to know that it bugs him. It helps to know that he's not getting the the feed that he wants off of it. He's not having his ego fed. He's not having his narcissism fed, but I'm not going to lie. All those comments get to me and I wish there's a way to just delete them and everyone says block them, but I can't block him on my, my device because, um, my kids are all with the same iTunes and so it blocks all of them and I can't block my kids' devices and everyone says, get new iTunes. I tried to set one up, but they all had money and games on their phones and I had stuff in mind with my business that we'd have to re-download and have to pay money to go back into some of them. So none of them wanted to do that. And all, their, all of a sudden they're like friends knew them by that, you know, account that they use on their phone. So I unfortunately can only just put no notifications on so it doesn't ding every time if he's in a, in a mood to just trash me. But I did notice that, like three weeks in now, he'll go two days, three days, and won't say a thing. Besides, like pickup times or something like that, and uh, the hateful comments got less and less because I wasn't feeding into them. I wasn't giving him what he wanted, and uh, so I don't have to hear from him as much and have to have it bother me. I mean, they all do. Still, they bother me, and that's why I made my appointment. I said I just want to come and have it not make me feel an inch tall anymore. I want to, I just want to get back my life and I just want to have confidence for the first time in 18 years and not let some sick person take it away and take it away on purpose just for the fun of it. Um, and I'm not anywhere near that and I know that and that's why I'll go regularly because I will, won't think about I hope one day I find somebody, but I can't even think about that right now. And so many of my friends want me to find somebody already. And I know I've been basically by myself for a year. Um, but I will take this into anything else. And the highest percentage of people that are with narcissists and sociopaths are people that just had a big trauma or just left a toxic relationship. And so I would be scared. I would enter right back into one because I would need to feel validated, need to feel important. And it would be very easy, I think, for someone to just do all that for me and be the same type of person I just was with. So I will wait until I'm in a confident place, until I am in a good place by myself and confident in who I am where I don't need that. And I have my own life. And I don't know how long that will take.
And I wish I could tell people that are thinking about leaving or something that, oh my God, a year later, I am so great. I'm so happy. I am happy I'm gone. And I, I'm blessed to have so much fun with my kids and, but I'm not anywhere close. And after a year, um, but I also let him back into my life twice in that year. So, um, it's not an easy process and it's not a fast process. And, but you'll just notice You'll be like, oh, it's been a week since I cried. It's been two weeks since I cried. Um, and cried because of it. Like, I don't even know if I consider this crying because I'm talking about it. It's just, there'll be good days. And then there'll be more good days. And then I just, one day, I think, there'll be mostly good days. And even if you have a bad day, it won't be attributed to that. So I look forward to having those days and being healthy enough that... I'm open and I open my heart again and I don't assume everyone's going to hurt me or lie to me or manipulate me and show my kids what and have a positive influence in their life that's male besides like my dad and their uncles but um, someone that's directly around them a lot to show them what a healthy human being and a healthy relationship should look like and the give and take and the compromise and the teamwork and all this stuff I'd never had and they never knew and help them to just see what they should expect and the bare minimum requirements they should have for relationships in the future for themselves and how they should be as men or how they expect to be treated as a woman and that will be my goal I want to show them that the stuff that's done isn't normal and show them a healthy strong mother and also not raise anybody like my ex. I, that's my biggest fear. This is one of them will turn into that. And I mean, and that's my counselor therapist says that that's not the case. It's not like genetic like that. Usually if you have one good parent, you're going to take after, but you, I also need to remember that he's young and he's just being manipulated and bribed right now. But he's also like, with all that bribery and getting everything he wants, like he has this figure of a dad that he probably longed for for a long time. And so it's very easy to manipulate a kid at eight. And all he wants you to be is basically what a normal dad would be like. And he never really had that. And now he puts on the show with people around and plays with them. And that currently is the hardest part of this, is watching the fake and watching him play my son and hearing my son say certain things that I know he couldn't come up with on his own and know that while well, he just ignores the other two. And it's putting a divide between my kids and it's the hardest thing to watch. It's like my therapist said, it's abuse. And she's like, you need to watch it. You need to tell your lawyer, you need to tell everybody. Like it's, he abuse, it's mental abuse. It's emotional abuse. It's, she's like, it's hideous. It's just disgusting. But uh, emotional abuse is the hardest thing to pour you know, proven court. And also you have the youngest one that's not going to really say that right now because he's getting everything he wants and while well, the other two have to cry every time they go and have to hide it and have to lose their electronics if they cry and to watch your kids get so upset when you have to make them go but yet you have to. It's, it's by far the hardest part because you want everyone to know what type of person they are and you want everyone to know what type of person manipulates kids and treats people like that, that who calls 
their daughter a piece of shit or a dick. That's all he refers to her as. Like, because she won't speak to him. And I will get through it. And I will, I have already have their counseling scheduled. And I'm, it's all I really can do at this point until I document enough or until hopefully he gets tired of it all. And doesn't want to deal with the them ignoring him because it just it hurts his ego, hurts his pride, and I just wish he'd just give up, and I'll take him all the time because that's my life. I know it's not his life; his life is making people feel bad and getting laid. Um, so just let it go. But I know he is so fake and has to do, send out fake texts to show his girlfriend, "Look at how doting of a dad I am, and look what I send, and they don't send anything back." It's so heartbreaking how my wife turns them against me, and I'm. It's, the manipulation is so gross and I just wait, like, is he gonna introduce her at some point and am I gonna have to meet her since I have to meet her in our custody agreement, anybody that meets her children and how do you meet them and not just want to yell from the top, top of your lungs, everything you know about him is a lie. When he's already made you out to be the crazy soon to be ex-wife and already made you out to be all these things that you're not, but you know at the same time, she's probably like you. She wants to believe in him and she fell in love fast and I was there. I was there for 18 years and fell fast in the beginning and know how good of a liar he is. And so how can I, I just, I don't know what I would say or if I even would. I mean, cause I still feel, I have no respect for anybody that dates a married man even when they find out because nobody would, I would never, I don't care if one had lasted long and it's been a divorce for five years and it's still going on. If they're legally married to someone else, ethically, in my opinion, you're, they're off limits. It's not even a question. And you were with him while he was still living in my house. Like, so you grossed me out and you found out and stayed with him. In which I'm sure you're manipulated, but have some values or morals in my opinion. So I don't know how that day will happen or come, but that's all I have today. I just wanted to be more about the counseling and dealing with it and share power, surviving and thriving after narcissistic abuse with you because it was just a really good book and it really helped me and educated me on so many things. And I hope it can help somebody else out there. So until next time, um, keep taking one step at a time, no matter how small the step is. Have a great day.